Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also Co-Editor of PW Comics World. I'm also the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of the Comics Beat, www.comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Simmons. I'm their podcast producer. I also write for PW Comics World. And I'm assistant editor at B. This week on More to Come, editorial cartoonists versus the New York Times. Uh, Order of the Stick <laughs> raises a million dollars on Kickstarter. Uh, the first, Image Expo, uh, comics at South by Southwest, panel parody, and that's a gender parody there, uh, Marvel's double shipping, uh, the news briefs, and uh, we'll talk about a few upcoming books. So, let's get right to it. Editorial cartoonists and <laughs> the New York Times. Um, who wants to, like, sort of re- recap the situation? I'll take point. Okay, the New York Times has been ramping down its editorial cartoon coverage over the last few years. It went from having regular editorial cartoons to having a section with syndicated, sort of lightweight, fluffy cartoons called Laugh Lines to not having anything at all. And now the Times announced, about a month ago, that it was considering bringing back editorial cartoons, and everyone was thrilled until they found out what the Times' new proposal was. They would go to all the major editorial cartoonists and have them submit a cartoon on Fridays for publication on Sundays, but they'd only choose one comic, and this one comic could not be exclusive, reprinted yeah. anywhere else. It was an exclusive for $250. In the New York Times. Gag Come me. on now. Gag me with a Come spoon. on I mean, now. $250. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's and really meanwhile, meanwhile, if you had you submitted this cartoon to them, you couldn't submit it to anyone else. It's, so this means uh, that all these other major cartoonists would have cartoons that wouldn't be going anywhere because they submitted to the New York Times in the hopes of a wonderful $250. When you got to wonder what was going on when they came up with this policy. I mean, was it like... They just said, how outrageous can we make it so whatever we do do is going to look generous in comparison? Uh, they, I mean, first of all, obviously, the, the, the profession of editorial cartooning is absolutely under siege. Uh, or the New York Times, uh, you know, our, certainly our bastion, or we like to think of it as a bastion of first-rate journalism, to treat cartoonists, editorial cartoonists, as something other than, than bona fide journalists, it's, it's shocking and dismaying. Yes. Um, but essentially, the cartoonists decline <laughs> this, this loudly, uh, dubious offer, loudly. and uh, and so the Times is doing what? Well, well there's, there's more to it than this. Yeah. Um, the National Cartoonist Society sent a strongly worded letter. Oh, yeah. Strongly <laughs> worded. Yes, strongly strongly worded. worded. Yes. Well. Uh, but more to the point, um, cartoonist Ted Rawl. Got, wrote an open letter of protest and got 57 other editorial cartoonists, including uh, six Pulitzer Prize winners, to sign off on it, saying that it was intensely insulting and that they would not accept such an offer and that it was only suitable for, say, amateurs, not for real cartoonists. And uh, basically, the New York Times went back and um, wrote... They had reconsidered... They had reconsidered this idea. Suddenly changed their mind. Decided that perhaps they would not go ahead with this plan, and they are going to, quote-unquote, postpone adding the cartoon to our section until we figure out a process that is fair to cartoonists 
and also works for us. Um, and while we're on the subject of this, to give you an idea of the market that they're working in, um, according to uh, editorial cartoonist Ted Rawl, his syndicated cartoons are published for an average of three fifty per paper that decides to cover to carry a cartoon. Wow. And he only only has like forty five papers that use him regularly, and he's a major cartoonist. Right. Well, uh, you know, overriding all this is the fact that the editorial cartoonist is, you know, a vanishing job description along mm. with, you know, piano tuner and ice <laughs> ice man. Um, it's that buggy you know, whip design. Yeah, the buggy whip store. Uh, Actually, you know. piano tuners are probably doing much better because well, there's still yes. a lot of pianos. Yes, that's there. true. There are existing pianos, but, uh, you know, it, it is more of a, uh, a, Indeed, a refined really avocation. The uh, whole area of freelance cartooning has become just incredibly problematic uh, on, with the internet on one side and sort of making imagery sort of like easily available at the touch of a button and piracy on, on the other hand. And you know, Daryl well, Cagle... don't pirate editorial cartoons. But, uh, yeah, well, but you know, Daryl Cagle, who actually covered this whole story, yeah. I mean, he had a site where he actually runs all the editorial cartoons over the week. He has the yeah. most incredible uh, treasure trove of all of these. And he does pay. And he does yes, pay, yeah. right. Yes, he does. He does. He absolutely does. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, he created the, uh, the uh, you know, Tumblr for... Uh, for editorial cartoons that, that has gotten them much more attention. But it, it, this is all part of the devaluing of content that we've been yeah. talking about. You know, I, like if you listen to these podcasts, you will hear our concerns coming back week after week. And, yeah. and this is definitely one of them. And, um, you know, it, 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 the New York Times is, is less profitable than it used to be. And but advertising... Still, $250. Yes. Yes. that you could yes. get, uh, a, you know, a serious... Editorial cartoon for two hundred fifty dollars. Well, but not only that, it's not like you went to a specific cartoonist and said, "Please draw me a cartoon. Yeah. And I will give you two hundred fifty dollars." Yeah. No, we're going to get a whole bunch of people to write one, and then only one of them will get two hundred fifty dollars. And you know, I, just to again put this into perspective, editorial cartooning is uh, probably the most respected branch of the cartooning uh, community. I mean, they've been giving out Pulitzer prizes in this category for years, uh, and yeah. it's you know recognized as part of the discourse of this nation and around the world. So, uh, you know, thank God the Times kind of had to backpedal quickly, but just that it even came to that is, is just, you know, sad. And to give you some numbers, um, a report based on a, a survey of the American Association of Editorial Cartoonists about syndication said more than half the respondents uh, earned income from syndication, and 18% said they earned more than half of their income through its syndication. But a third of the respondents said they earned less than 20% of their living from syndicated editorial well, cartoons. That's going to become yeah. less and less and yeah. less, unfortunately. So, But talking about where there's lots of money now, let's <laughs> yeah. move on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, it's comments. all on Kickstarter. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. That's the, these well, guys should have put their cartoons up on Kickstarter, I guess. Well, um, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our reporter, Todd Allen, actually did a follow-up story on the really extraordinary story of uh, about a rich, a cartoonist Rich Burrow's uh, Order of the Stick webcomic. And his, you know, attempt to raise, you know, what originally seemed a fairly substantial amount of money, $57,000, to reprint one volume of his seven volume, um, seven Epic volumes of collections of his webcomic. Um, at the end of the campaign, he now had raised $1.25 million, a testament uh, both to the popularity of his comic, but really the, just the general high regard his audience has 
for him and how he does business. Um, it really is quite an achievement. Um, I, <laughs> I'm still a little bit stunned by this, but so the, is he. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everybody is. But you know, he's stunned. But really, uh, if you start with the fact that you know he's done this comic for nine years, he's really cultivated uh, an audience online. He really connects directly with the fans. I mean, he's doing everything that you would be told to do in some seminar about, you know, online marketing, and, and he's doing it with none of the stiffness and the, the, the formulaic um, uh, stuff you hear, you hear from the, uh, the social media gurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing it because he believes in what he does, and he, and he really relates to his audience. Um, and his audience relates to him. And his audience I mean, relates to him. You know, to the tune of a million dollars. But he so was able, as he dollars. saw, as he toppled one goal after another, he would use his Kickstarter updates to add new premiums, to uh, to sort of to give some of the premiums away. To uh, he constantly responded in ways that that actually brought him more and more support. Um, so and I, I mean it's, it's an incredible it is quite a story I mean uh, people have been constantly pointing out since then that he's not really going to get a million point two dollars Amazon and Kickstarter take ten percent I believe something like off, that yeah. yeah off the top um, he has to pay taxes on it this 40%. is reported as a uh, well forty percent unless you're Facebook I mean uh, but anyway it is tax that income yes, yes. on a ten ninety nine yes. so uh, but I mean his costs yes. also are, yes. are something like two hundred thousand dollars in postage alone so yes. which would be also a business deduction yes. so I mean it's all going to you know he is going to put it back into his business yes. I mean it's pretty obvious he's not going to be sitting on his yacht and <laughs> you know making phone calls although I you know I, I, if somebody is going to do that one of these days right. and I, I, I another webcomic had another Kickstarter campaign. Um, Rich Stevens, very uh, popular Diesel Sweet, oh, yes, had, yes. uh, had a campaign re- uh, this week also, and that is all fully funded at $50,000. I believe it's still open. Um, you know, there's a lot of money in these webcomics campaigns. and If you've got a good product, if, if people love it. If you yes. have the right relationship to your Absolutely. audience. I have some friends who are doing Kickstarters, and they're very demoralized, because after about two weeks, you know if you're going to make it or not, mm-hmm. and some of them have just stalled at a really sad amount, and, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty glum. I mean, it looks like this is a new revenue stream, but it really isn't. It's it's another... Well, it's it is a new revenue stream, but you have to be in the right position stream, to get it. Exactly. Yeah. I, you've got to put the work in, and you've got to put the work in online. And you I just think have to, to have the kind of audience. Cultivate your audience, and that doesn't mean... Just that you're using them to suck money out no, of them. And it does not. Well, <laughs> it I, means I, you're you're. I mean, you're uh, maybe at the proper time, online. but it means for the the bulk of your time is going to be spent responding to them, serving them, really creating a real relationship and giving them online. You should online with someone. Absolutely, absolutely. making it part of the whole. The first the whole, they hear from you should not be "I want money." Yes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I, I mean, I yes, I know it's a revenue stream. I'm just saying it's not a revenue stream that everybody, everybody is going no, to have. No, it's not for so. Just a just a quick tale of the tape. He estimates he's got six hundred and fifty thousand dedicated fans and probably somewhere over a million casual readers who just tip in, you know, once a month just to check it out. Um, four, over fourteen thousand people uh, donated um, to this to him. He's going to be. Um, he, he expects to uh, print uh, eleven thousand copies each of four full color volumes and fifteen thousand copies of the two black and white volumes. At the end of the day, he's going to be uh, printing somewhere over a hundred thousand books. Um, not a bad 
months' work. No, not yeah. at all. And uh, certainly something people are going to be talking about for quite a while. Well, speaking of the creator and creator-owned, uh, last weekend, uh, we're getting into convention season, and last weekend kicked off with the Image Expo in Oakland. Now, this show was, I think we've mentioned it here a few times, but it was twofold. One was to replace WonderCon, which was the traditional Bay Area convention, but got moved to Anaheim this year because of construction. And so this was held in Oakland at uh, the uh, sister <laughs> city of San Francisco. But uh, it was also a chance to showcase image. And a lot of people have been saying 2012 is the year of image. They have so many great creators who have gone over there from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Mark Miller has a bunch of products, uh, projects coming out there. Brian Hitch and Jonathan Ross are doing their book. Um, they announced many new projects at this show, including a new book by Grant Morrison and uh, Derek Robertson. Um, you know, Grant Morrison going to Image is pretty huge. I mean, he's the, the biggest writer of them all, uh, so to speak. I mean, they announced new books by Brian Wood, uh, new books by Scott Morris, uh, just a whole laundry list of new proje projects. And uh, from what I heard, it was pretty slow on Friday and Sunday, but uh, the vibe was amazing. Uh, everybody I talked to had well, a really a good con. time. It's a new con. It's a new con. And furthermore, um, it wasn't just spotlighting Image. Image was very clear that any creators with independently owned work were welcome at the convention mm -hmm. to take part in panels, display, everything. It wasn't only Image creators, mm -hmm. but it was a indie con. That was the yeah. concept. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And, um, I mean, a lot of the creators were mm -hmm. Marvel or DC I hear they had fairly big crowds on Saturday, yes. not yeah. so much. And, you know, they had, yeah, yeah I mean, Saturday. they had, like, Walking Dead, Spotlight, mm -hmm. so yeah. uh, I, and I people are kind of mixed that I've talked to about whether they'll do it again. Some people feel like it was this little Brigadoon moment that was really great and had a wonderful feeling, but, you know, if you try to recreate that, it might not work out. But others feel that this could be a viable show, especially if, as rumor has it, WonderCon is moving permanently to the South. So... Um, you know, image year of image got a pretty good kickoff, and um, it's all uh, onwards from here. Uh, well, another convention coming up, not necessarily considered part of the comics convention circuit, but um, with plenty of comics content. But certainly, it has lots of comics uh, content, and we're talking about South by Southwest, which will launch um, uh, March 9th, um, sometime next week, from where we're. Uh, recording this right now. Uh, your humble servant, Calvin Reed, will be down there along with my colleague from PW, uh, Rachel Deal, and a friend of the podcast, uh, Jody Calkin, <laughs> who will be down there taking pictures and uh, doing what she does. The creator of our marvelous theme song. As yes. a matter of fact. I said uh, she's the first friend of um, the podcast. Uh, you know, uh, I went to South by Southwest last year. I really was blown away with the amount of comics content. Um, there, You know, everything from... Uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez and Greg Rucker discussing uh, uh, translating comics in the film uh, to uh, Greg Pack was down there doing a um, uh, presentation. Um, there was even a panel uh, called that I went to call What Comic Books Can Teach Mobile Application Developers. Yes. So I really, there was really a great sense that uh, of integration of comics within the total program. Uh, uh, looking over the schedule this year, I'm a little dismayed because I don't see quite as many um, comics panels and presentations as I saw last year. But there are a few things that I'm really looking forward to. Um, among them, among the panels I intend to go to are uh, how comics journalism is saving your media. Looks like looks to shape to be a really interesting panel. Um, it's uh, Sarah J, uh, who's um, uh, who is basically, I think, uh, uh, really the organizer of the panel, 
But Matt Boers of the Cartoon uh, Movement is going to be there. Uh, Aaron Kapolgren of the Media Consortium. Cartoonist Ron Wimberly, who, uh, among other things, did uh, the uh, Percy Carey's uh, graphic memoir sentences, really terrific book. And um, Susie Cagle herself will also be on the panel. They're going to be really looking at how comics works in journalism, how it really uh, is becoming more of a popular medium for all kinds of, of, of periodicals and, and publications to use. Uh, so we're going to drop in on that. Um, I'm also looking forward to reinventing the graphic novel for the iPad. Now this is going to be put on, this is a presentation by Daniel Berwin, who is uh, really the founder of a company called Cognito. And they are basically an app developer that created a digital comic called uh, Operation Ajax, which was uh, really a, a fantastic work. You can get it in the um, app store. Uh, it's really an interesting combination of comics and multimedia. They're not motion comics, but they actually put together uh, comics and multimedia in an interesting kind of way. Um, uh, the the, the uh, comic itself is based on a book by Stephen Kinzer uh, about a hundred years of, of U.S. government overthrowing democracies all around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a really interesting, basically, work of serious graphic nonfiction uh, done for the iPad. And he's going to look at how this can be, you know, uh, uh, how we're looking at a new generation of digital native publications. Uh, in addition to these, uh, Josh Whedon is going to be there uh, talking about, no doubt, the Avengers, <laughs> among other things. And Kevin Smith. Well, but not just that. Uh, he has some original films coming out this year, which he I'm sure he'll be did on a small about. budget, yeah. which yeah. I imagine will be more of the yes, South no doubt. Southwest. Yes, I think he's going to be talking about that as well. But but that said, uh, you know, comics usually have yeah. a real pride of place at South by Southwest, so I'm looking forward to it. So. Well, there you go. That sounds yeah. like a good time um, and a uh, informative one. Um, well, you know, another one of the topics that we talk about uh, quite a bit here at uh, uh, More to Come is uh, gender in comics, and uh, it's, so this week. Well, I mean, to be fair, this is a very big issue. In comics I, it is. Right it now. is. Well, it's that's it just, it, it's finally it just won't go away, and people are you know talking about it. You know, normally it's loudmouth women like Kate and myself, but now the guys are really starting. <laughs> the guys to, are ticked off too. Their guys are ticked off too, and. <laughs> Uh, there's a new concept called panel parody that was launched <laughs> by English it. writer Paul Cornell in uh, England, and uh, there was a whole kerfuffle, which I think we talked about last time, with huge role, uh, internet killing eye rolls. That um, you know, their Kapow Khan said that there weren't any English women in comics that they could invite as guests, and blah 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 blah. Anyway, and everyone so, thought they were stupid. Yes, right, and because they were. Anyway, so um, so uh, basically, Paul uh, said that he was introducing his own little thing called panel parody, where if he was on a panel that was all men, and he would give up his spot on the panel for a woman. And uh, which was met with uh, applause from some quarters and uh, unapplause from others. <laughs> and uh, he has not yet had a chance to put it into a, uh, effect. But uh, writer Cy Spencer, who has written several books for Marvel uh, as a novelist and a cartoonist, actually did it. He was on a panel at the recent London. What Con. was the topic? The topic of the, you know what? I don't know what the topic was. <laughs> so uh, you know, I would have to look that up. But um, anyway, he gave up his. Uh, his uh, spot on the panel for uh, cartoonist Tammy Taylor, who was in the audience, and uh, it seemed to go very well. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see if others uh, do this. And maybe programmers will have to take that into account when, say, they really want to be able to trumpet Paul Cornell on a panel. Mm -hmm. You don't put a lady on it, you won't have Paul Cornell. So the, the comments 
suffragette, suffragette movement <laughs> continues. Actually, writing. the name of the panel was how to write a comic script, so mm -hmm. uh, it was a, a writing panel. And um, uh, but anyway, I mean, good for Sai. Uh, you know, he's a friend of the beat, and uh, uh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and now to news briefs. As you may have heard in previous episodes, Warner Brothers was planning an adaptation of the anime classic Akira, starring absolutely no Japanese people and set in the United States. Well, they've decided this is a terrible idea, finally, and are <laughs> quietly canceling it. But guess what they're replacing it with? An adaptation of the hit anime series Bleach. No word yet on where it will be set and who it will star, but it should be extremely problematic if they try to Americanize this one, because it's based on the Shinto concept of the Japanese underworld, and will probably if make they no can sense screw it up, in the United States. Yeah, they, they will. will. They will. They'll yeah. find a way. If they can, yes, if they can bleach it, then they will. <laughs> Meanwhile, ERB Incorporated, the company that manages the creative estates of Edgar Rice Burroughs, is suing Dynamite Comics for unfair competition and trademark infringement over their Tarzan and uh, Barsoom comics. Now, to clarify, um, the whole John Carter of Mars, Deja Thoris of Mars, etc., and Tarzan, Ovir, are all, all out of copyright. Well, the earlier volumes are. And some of these are in, are in public domain in the U.S., but, but not, not internationally. Yes. Yeah. True, but... This lawsuit is in the United States over United States publication. They are, even though they have not, in fact, trademarked Lord of the Jungle and Warlord of Mars as phrases, they have decided that they have common law trademark over mm -hmm. these phrases, and they're going to attempt to sue Dynamite Comics for having rival John Carter comics to their endorsed John Carter comics. And also, as part of their claim, they claim the comics contain inappropriate materials because, namely, they contain nude Deja like Thoris. Like bodacious pr yeah. princesses. <laughs> but, but to be fair, in the actual <laughs> books, all the characters are naked all the time. <laughs> so whether this is any more inappropriate or a inappropriate representation of the property is highly questionable. Yeah, you know, I, I'll just jump in. This is a very, very, very interesting case. And we're going to see more and more and more cases mm. like this. You know, uh, the books aren't clearly in public domain, however, uh, some of it is trademark. They do not actually have trademarks on Lord of the Jungle or Bars, uh, or Deja Thoris. So, uh, this common law trademark idea, I'm not sure. I've talked to some lawyers, and they're even a little dubious on where that stands. So, yeah, this is a very interesting, interesting. Very interesting case, yeah. yes. And it certainly um, adds a little spice to it, the fact that... Um, John Carter is coming out as a movie from Disney, and Disney might, I don't know, loan them some lawyers. So this should be fun. Yes, if, uh, if you it, see, uh, you know, lawyers lawsuits as you know, copyright, yeah, IP, yes, uh, as law, as fun. Yes, and, and yeah. we do, so <laughs> yeah. yes, it's great. <laughs> so, hmm. it, all right. Let's put it this way. It'll be more fun if they lose. Okay, so the L.A. Book Prize yes. now has a Best Graphic Novel division. And they have announced their nominees. Um, their nominees include I Will Bite You and Other Stories by Joseph Lambert, published by Secret Acres, Celluloid by Dave McKean, published by Fantagraphics, Find Your Voice by Carla Speed McNeil, published by Dark Horse, Congress of the Animals by Jim Woodring, published again by Fantagraphics, they're doing a sweep, and Garden by Yuichi Yoyama. 
and uh, just, just throw it out. Uh, one of the past winners of the LA Times Book Award for graphic novels is Duncan the Wonder Dog. I will say there is there is one new title on here which I hadn't heard. The others I can see I can see why they'd be nominated. I have not heard of I Will Bite You. Have you guys heard of I, I Will Bite really, You? Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, actually, yeah, I have not yet. Yeah, yeah, Joel Lambert is great. Mm-hmm. He's a CCS yeah. grad, and um, you know, one uh, of those young cartoonists uh, yeah. to watch. Moving on to a less happy topic. Uh, Malaysian cartoonist Zunar is suing the Malaysian government over his arrest and detention in September of 2010 for his political cartoon. He was told that his book violated the country's Sedition Act. He was not formally charged, but he feels he was unfairly treated and censored. And they only paid him $250, so it really was a slap in the face. Uh, yes, uh, as, as no, I should not joke about that. Zunar sure. is really a heroic figure as far as I'm uh, concerned. A courageous guy. Very, I mean, to very, not only get arrested and protested, but to turn around and sue the government. Yeah, yeah, and in a climate where there, it's unlikely he will win, and that certainly could bring the government down on him even. Further, so, yeah. so uh, I mean, it isn't like one little thing against Zunar. He's been on the yeah. government's targets for quite a while. So, you know, as much as we moan about America, uh, yeah, we still have really, some things that are pretty cool. Yeah, it's a We're the really, star of our cartoonists. We don't put him in jail. <laughs> unless right, you're yeah, Susie Cagle. So. Right, you know, multiple times. <laughs> but, but obviously he's uh, really going up against, uh, uh, you know, in a serious situation. So, And iShield21 creator Yusuke Murata, uh, iShield21 being a very popular manga, about football. About and football. that's American, About American football. football. That's yeah, right. And it's can. delightful, by the way. Posted his installments of a short manga through Twitter over the past week um, using drawing techniques and paper folding to make the comic seem somewhat three-dimensional. Uh, involves the <laughs> very clever, the ones I've seen. Yeah. I've it seen involves, all, involves the artist himself falling off a cliff and a fan chasing him around. The artist has announced that he is planning a new manga series with a web manga creator, the creator of One Punch Man. <laughs> and, you know, I have no idea what it's about. But, I am but, sold. But I am sold. I am too. Right I, I can imagine that uh, it's going to be pretty exciting and full of punches. Uh, it'll be more than one punch, I'm sure. Yeah. It's like several punch men, yeah. yeah. And now to our, moving on to our favorite topic of all, oh, Comic-Con. Comic-Con. <laughs> uh, this year, the organizers of Comic-Con are really putting you through an obstacle course. And I don't blame them a bit, but uh, they really are trying to make as many things to organize and record and codify the people who want to get badges as possible. Because as they say in their emails, there is a greater demand for badges than there are badges available. So last year they tried four times to sell badges, and each time the website crashed. <laughs> crash, crash, crash. So this year they you must get a member ID, which I guess Calvin, you got yours. Right? Uh, I did get get one uh, after a fairly confusing series of exchanges. You know, look, yeah, I know the Comic Con people out there, they're they're swamped, they're besieged. Yeah. But uh, it was a little confusing the process because as a returning journalist, you were given one instruction. The structures were a little different from if you were trying to buy a badge. And my problem was that I couldn't seem to... The, the, the materials that I needed as a returning journalist simply weren't there. But they're pretty, you know, they're pretty bewildering. They're just yeah. bewildering. And they have... Uh, press badges aren't even available and... Um, you know, you know, I, I have. So I just got one. I just yeah, got a yeah. new one. So, but now, but, so as I, as we're sitting here, uh, I 
just got the email. Once you had a member ID, you would be on the secret email list. And they just sent an email that their badges are going on sale at 8 a.m. Pacific time this Saturday. So by the time you hear this, it will have all happened. But in this email, they are urging you not to share this on uh, social media. And uh, I, 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 my advice to them would be do it on Friday afternoon next time because that is the death of the Internet. And uh, people will not see it because they are out at happy hour. Um, so we'll see. By the time you listen to this, we'll know whether the website crashed, whether anybody tweeted it, <laughs> whether they sold all the badges. So here's a hint: we think someone's going to tweet it, <laughs> and we're yeah, pretty sure the badges will sell if the website doesn't crash. <laughs> oh, Kate, I I don't know if I I'm psychic. I'm feeling psychic uh, right now. Uh, that's pretty bold, we, we, Kate. We looked, I, in, I, we looked yeah. into our crystal ball. Yeah. Uh, I, okay, I'm gonna as we. Uh, draw this uh, more to come to a close. I'm going to just point out a couple of books that are coming up because they're just beautiful books. Um, typically, from first, second, uh, a new book that's coming out in May, I believe it is, Babies in Black by uh, the German cartoonist Arne Belstorff. It's the story of the fifth, be- the fifth Beetle, Stuart Sutcliffe, uh, and his um, meeting with um, Astrid Kircher in Germany. These are in the, in the, the early days before the Beatles had become the phenomenon that they were to become. Uh, it's a really beautifully rendered book in a really wonderful uh, cartooning style. It's it's a little mannered, but but the all of the characters seem to have the the sort of psychic feel of all of the uh, uh, the Beatles. If if they even if they don't have a rigidly representational capture of how they look, but it's really just a, a beautifully done book, um, beautifully illustrated, uh, coming out from first second in May. Uh, and in addition. Leaping Tall Buildings, The Origin of American Comics by uh, Christopher Irving and uh, Seth Kushner, uh, the photographer. Uh, Seth, of course, is, uh, you would know him, actually, you know them both from Graphic NYC, a wonderful website and a book uh, that really had stunning photographs and interviews with a whole range of New York cartoonists. Um, Leaping Tall Buildings really tells the history of American comics uh, through a series of really the most iconic creators you can think of. Everyone from Will Eisner and Stan Lee to Art Spiegelman, Paul Pope, and Chris Ware. This is coming out, um, I believe, in May from Powerhouse Books here in New York City. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. It's a little light on the ladies, but, you know. Uh, ah, yeah, yes, very light on the but, you know. As since, in, I don't yes, see any. Yes, <laughs> in terms of, yeah, well, I don't see Becky any. Becky is in there, Becky Jordan. But oh, anyway, you know, yeah. uh, well, that makes it okay. more yeah. to come, more to come. Yeah, as we uh, But say. it's a beautiful book. It is beautiful a beautiful book. book and they and worked out a Long time. And after we finish with panel parody, I guess we'll have to get to historical parody yes, a little bit too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Becky Cloonan is in here. Uh, not seeing a whole lot more than Becky. Yeah. Hmm. Are there any? Well, you know, send the cards and letters it's and the nasty emails and to Seth. Women don't have any place <laughs> in the history of comics, so yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll uh, cover yeah, that yeah, on yes, another yes, episode. More to come, more to come. But I, yeah, I, I like I love Chris and yes. and uh, Seth. You should <laughs> right. buy it anyway. So we'll, so we'll see you next uh-huh. podcast. On more to come. More to come.